at four. You know, uh, I didn't even think I'd be Dorothy. I didn't think about it seriously at all, really. But I loved the story. And um, so that when this came along, uh, I was thrilled to pieces. I walked in one day to, with the idea of changing the agent I had, and lo and behold, there was Jess Smith, who was my old, old friend in, in New York, who'd come out and was an agent. Well, I was just delighted. And so I went with him, of course. And uh, as, as time went along, one day, he said, uh, they're sort of interested in you uh, for a part in The Wizard of Oz. And I said, oh, gosh, think of that. I said, I loved that story from the time I was four years old. What is it? And he said, well, the witch. And I said, the witch? And he said, then he said the final thing. He said, yes, what else? Well, I uh, thought, well, that, that's kind of kind of exciting part, but gee. I had my, you know, my eyes on something else. I don't know what it was exactly, but I didn't think about the witch. However, I ought to have, because I'd had that nose quite a long while. And so I um, went in uh, one day to see, and I was interviewed by the man I knew very well, who I'm ashamed to say I can't remember his name, but I liked him a lot. And he was the second. He was the second in line. And he said, uh, how do you feel about uh, playing the witch? And I said, I feel great if I get it. And he said, well, we, uh, we're, th we're thinking about it, Chris, you know, we haven't decided. And I said, oh, I know that. I understand that. All right. And he said, well, uh, uh, well, we'll get in touch with your agent. And I said, thanks. And, you know, that's the final line. Sometimes that's the deadline. You know, they never get in touch with the agent or anything else. And uh, so I, uh, uh, one day my agent called and said, uh, Maggie said, they're really kind of interested in you. And I said, what for? <laughs> well, he said, for the witch. <laughs> and I said, oh. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we go back and examine some of the biggest blockbuster bombs, uh, as well as movies that maybe the critics just didn't care for. Brad, we're still living in the month of November, where we decided to talk about pretentious movies that had multiple Oscar nominations, but unfortunately bombed at the box office. So, yeah, and I, I think tonight we're talking about maybe the most popular film of all time. I think so. It, yeah, and we're, it was my pick. And being from Kansas, I, mm. I, I just I had to pick this film. So we're talking about 1939's Wizard of Oz. When we get into the details, I think it's going to shock a lot of people that this movie would show up on on our podcast because it was a theatrical bomb when it was released, but we'll talk about 1939 specifically because that's a really interesting year. Uh, we have a special guest with us. We have our good friend, Sammy. How are you doing tonight? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, he's bringing it. I love it. Well, Hey, you, how you doing? Well, I'm doing great. That was awesome. We've got another special guest. You want to do the introduction for this one? Oh no, 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 no. Go ahead, Sammy. This this one this one's all you. What? What uh, the for the film? 
No, no, no. For the other special guest. Wow, the film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh that guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy? Oh, that guy, yeah. That other guy. Yeah. Something from my loins. Um, <laughs> that guy. So I've brought along my wonderful son, uh, Masaki, uh, which we'll call him Masaki here, but we'll probably right. accidentally call him Landon often as well. <laughs> but uh, my son, uh, the one and only Masaki. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Dad. <laughs> well, he's here with us, and uh, he's a film fan, and uh, he's into stuff. There's the dog in the background. You can see it on Landon's camera there. I'm watching him. Oh, and uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to show him a film that is, uh, you know, nearly 75 years old at this point. Yeah, no kidding. See what he thinks, and uh, we'll hear what he thinks. I have not talked to him about it much at all, and we'll see what he thinks here. This is this is awesome. So. Masaki, this is the first time you've been on the show. We have a ritual yes. and uh, we like to do this little test with, you know, our first time guests. It's it's a way for everybody to get to know you a little bit, understand what mm -hmm. you like, where you come from in terms of film. So Brad and I have all five right. questions. Okay. We're going to alternate here. There's all no right or wrong answer, but we do reserve the right to make fun of you if it's a funny answer. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, let's go. Okay. First, right. first question. Um, I'm going to kick it off here. What is your favorite movie of all time? Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. R really? Okay. Yeah. I, I had the pleasure of seeing that with you for your yeah. first time viewing too. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Why yeah. Mad Max Fury Road? I don't know. It just felt almost perfect in every scene. I feel like cutoffs were perfect. Like when they ended the scene and how they ended each scene, Hawkins stopped showing that. Um, it was just all perfect. Okay. I like the answer. I like the answer. That is not a bad answer at all. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're back again. Sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, my turn. What is the first movie you remember seeing in the theater? Ooh. Oh gosh. Um, I think the first movie I actually remember, like my reaction to it in theater was uh solo. But the first movie I remember like going to was, Wreck-It Ralph, I think. <laughs> that would have been correct, yes. Wreck-It Ralph was your first movie in the theater. Was it in 3D or just standard? Just standard. Uh, uh, oh, my. Okay. Don't, don't worry about the dog. So you, <laughs> you said you. Solo. So Wreck-It Ralph was the first movie you remember seeing in the theater, but yeah. what did you say about Solo? It was the first one I remember, like, actually, like, remembering how I felt about it. Oh, okay. My reaction. How, how did you feel about Solo? I thought it was okay. It's it's definitely better than what some people will say about it. Okay. All right. Well, I've got this this of all the questions, I'm I'm most interested in this one. Okay. <laughs> no, before you no. do before you do that. Okay. For the record, he was only like two years old when he saw Wreck It Ralph. So, you know, I start him young. No, no, no. That's cool. I, <laughs> that's I, true. I can't even remember. I Angel and Cameron's um, I, I want to say one was brother bear and then the other one was, was it chicken little? That was another Disney film. The animated one. Yes. Chicken little was. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. Max's was frozen too. So there we go. All right. Yeah. We, we start him young, right? All right. Here we go. Misaki. Are, are you ready for this one? This one's interesting. Mm -hmm. So what TV show film comic book or pop culture franchise is your father obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of like, you, you don't think it's very good. Oh, Jurassic park three. 
<laughs> Jurassic, that film, you don't think is very good at all. Yeah. No, I hate it. You hate it. It's but your dad, miserable. But, but your dad loves it. I mean, does, compared so to annoying. the new stuff, it's... No, the new stuff is worse, but like that yeah. is an abomination. It's the second best Jurassic Park. <laughs> it, oh my sadly, gosh, I will. I, uh, sadly, it is. Mm. It is. I'm agreeing with your dad on that one. I really like Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> it goes <laughs> it's one, a lot of fun. And then there's well, a cliff, and then it's three, and there's yeah. a cliff, and yeah. then it might be hey. Lost World, and then there's a, a complete <laughs> like avalanche, and then at the very bottom, there's those other three. Wow, um, Jurassic Park 3. Okay. Yeah. Who is your favorite comic book character? Oh, well, this is going to be fun to say. <clears throat> Starts with an M, Troy. <laughs> oh, really? Ends with a T. Wonder what guess? that is. Can, Can you guess? Well, hey, if you're talking about the comic book itself, Moon Knight, it's fantastic. Yeah. If you're talking about that, if you're talking about abysmal properties, <laughs> we can discuss the TV show, oh the miniseries, gosh. whatever it is. The slug. It, talk about boring. That was <laughs> Watch a yourself. Mess. But I'm sorry. You like Moon Knight. So when did you discover Moon Knight? Was it because of the Disney Plus series or the comics? Or Well, when it first got announced that I think it was D23 in like 2020, 2019, I was just researching almost every project, but the one that like mainly like caught my attention was Moon Knight. So I was waiting for that to get a trailer and start to be announced and announced and just stuff about it. So I first caught the attention from the show, basically. Okay. Did you go back and read any of the comics or the source material? Uh, a couple. Which don't think? remember them, but oh, okay. Uh, they were good, but I, that's all I can remember. Okay, all right. Well, what's the last question, Brad? Bring it home. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite movie bomb to recommend to people? Now, um, since this never came out in theaters, I guess I can count it as a bomb. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was the Tomorrow War starring uh chris pratt's that came out on amazon prime mm. yeah you know what I, I i watched that with him and i gotta say that movie is a lot better than people think it is it, it is really i've kind of stayed I away agree. from that yeah i know i know i know why people would stay away from it it makes total sense but man it gives your it gives your audio set up a workout huh. oh my gosh i might yeah. Is that is that yeah. what blew your sub out in your theater? <laughs> it might have, well, it certainly contributed to that. Yeah. <laughs> I showed that was the demo thing I showed Randy, and Randy was like, "Well, that was pretty cool." And he goes, "Who put that out or whatever?" I said, "No, that was on streaming." He goes, "That was on streaming." <laughs> wow! So, I should tell you. So, All right, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, I might have to watch that now since since you guys are repping for it. Yeah, it's I'd good. be curious it's, what you guys it's, think. It's good. Yeah, I think it's good. All right, I'll report back. Is it better get. than? thrilling bloody sword because i bet it's not i guarantee it's but, uh, not i mean that there's nothing quite like thrilling bloody sword <laughs> that's true I, I gotta say brad and i have now found our calling that we want to start doing programming for film festivals because <laughs> man did we put a lineup together for a single day and i i gotta say it, it, it was a banger yeah um, I, I know about it i was on uh, me and landon were not able to uh participate we were at the polar express but uh Ugh. yeah did you get a bell? I did. I yeah. don't know. All right. I think it's upstairs. Uh, I, I do have kind of a side question for you, uh, Masaki. So 
What do you yeah. think the oldest film is that you've ever seen? Like, have you watched some black and white stuff? Have you watched stuff from the 30s or 40s before The Wizard of Oz? I mean. Wait. Oh, my gosh. Hi. Uh, no, I don't think so. So this would this would be the oldest film you've ever kind of sat down to Probably. watch? Probably, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, we're going to discuss The Wizard of Oz. Um, there has been so much said about this film. And I think I think our reactions and our personal experiences will probably take up most of the conversation because I don't know what you can say about this film that hasn't been said or kind of bring to something new. But I do want to scratch the surface a little bit about its history and when it was released, because I think a lot of people have this misconception that when The Wizard of Oz came out, that it was sort of an instant hit. And 1939 is a very unique and interesting year in film altogether. And it's been said that 1939 could be possibly the greatest uh, year in film history uh, if you kind of take a step back and look at it. So, Brad, how about you You take us way back in the time machine and let's talk about what it was like when The Wizard of Oz was released. Yeah, so The Wizard of Oz releases August 25th, 1939. With a budget of $2.8 million. Um, I did a little bit of conversion for you. That's about $55 million in 2022 money. Okay. Yeah. $55 million. That's a lot. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of coin for back then. It is. It is. Yes. Um, so you got to think 1939 is the start of World War II. Um, it is the tail end of the Great Depression. So it is a weird time. Um, and actually, this is the first time in the uh, American economic system that we had deflation of money. So money was actually at a negative 1.75%, which is a deflation rate, which means that there's more goods and services than people want to buy, yep. essentially. Um, gosh, I, I'm going to get on my uh, economic degree hat here in a second, but I'll, I'll swear <laughs> well, thank you, you professor. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So total box office run initially. So this is just initial run. It's $3.1 million and MGM wrote off about $1.1 million. So remember, um, this is in 1939 money. So $1.1 million is a lot. Yes. Um, $25 million, maybe 20. Roughly. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, wow. So, and, and that's big. Um, it, that's, it like also, a, that's like a Disney write off. Yeah. That's like, a, you know, that's <laughs> in, yeah. in proportion. Cause you got to keep in mind movies like today we go, well, it didn't cost 200 million. What's the big deal. Right. Yeah. That's the equivalent of a $200 million movie back then. Yeah, and argu yeah. Arguably MGM, the Disney of its time in some ways. That's true. Yes. Yeah. And, and this is at a point, I think there was five major studios at the time. So mm -hmm. not many um, actors were essentially contracted to a studio and they were farmed out. Um, we can talk about that later, but the, the working conditions of these actors was not great uh, sometimes. Um yeah, and so I wanted to kind of give some context, too, because Troy said 1939 might be um, one of the greatest film years of all time. You have films like Gone with the Wind, uh -huh. uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Jesse James, Babes in Arms, um, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Dodge City, The Rain Comes, The Women. Um, all these films are uh, some of the top grossing films of 1939. So... I mean, a quintessential year for film. Um, and again, we're looking at only like five studios. So they weren't putting out, it wasn't thousands of films a year. It was, there was, 
I, I don't know how many, but it was basically a handful per studio. It was and, still a ro- um, it was still a robust movie going year. And, and keep in mind, for your entertainment, you went to the movie theaters, right? Yep. Yep. It was a, it was an event. You got all dressed up, you got all classy, you went to the cinema. Um, and like I said, like they were churning this stuff out, um, because they had these guys under contract and, um, they basically had to kind of pay them a retainer as well. So if they weren't working, they were still getting paid. So mm-hmm. you finished a movie, you might've got the afternoon off and the next day you're coming back in and starting a new one. Um, there are some stories about some of the actors in the wizard of Oz basically getting like three hours uh, wrapping this film and starting their next one. So um, interesting fact on this one. So a lot of people will kind of remember the Wizard of Oz, not so much for its initial run, but it's run on television. Um, and that happens in 1956. CBS buys the rights um, to basically put it on television. Um, and get this, they pay $225,000 per time it's on television. Um, and again, that's in 1956 money. So that's roughly about a million dollars per time they show it. Um, and that's when um, it really starts to catch on and become this kind of the film that we know now. Um, so it took 17 years after its initial release to really catch on. Well, um, and it's first showing. So the first few years that it's showing on TV, it's all in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which yep. was unusual so, too. So a lot of people's yeah. first exposure to this film is black and white only. Yeah. And I was thinking about that too. It's like, I think this was probably my grandparents first film. They would probably remember in color. It's not the first film that was ever in color, but it's probably the film they remember the most in color. It's maybe this or snow white, but live action. It's probably the wizard of Oz. I think this might be my first film. I remember seeing in black and white. So it kind of is like the inverse mm-hmm. uh, of that for me, for them. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes. Now, arguably, The Wizard of Oz is one of the greatest films of all time. It sits at a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm actually kind of surprised by this. An 89% with the with the audience. So I think there might be some contrarian stuff in there. Um, but still quite high to get 9 out of 10 people thinking The Wizard of Oz is a good film. Um our, our, our great uh, Christian website has a short little blurb about it. Not much. <laughs> what do we think? What do we think Christian wise? Negative four to minus four. Remember, they they review for contents, not quality. Uh, minus four is the worst quality or content ever. Plus four is the best. Where do we think the Wizard of Oz stands with the Christians? What do you, you think? Min- minus one. Minus one. What do you think, Masaki? I go minus two. Ooh, minus say, two. Wow. I'm yeah. going to say plus one. It is a plus one. Troy did it. Like, he I finally did it. I did it. <laughs> he did it. I did, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, thank I you so much. I have a hard time believing this only because of the witch. Yep. But, you know, anyway, we'll get there. Okay. So just a short blurb. Um, despite some confusion over witches, the classic <laughs> Hollywood takes on L. Frank Brahm's beloved book features a tremendous performance by Judy Garland as Dorothy, who desperately wants to get back to her Christian guardian. And M in Kansas. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. how. I mean, anyway, I don't know how they assume that she's Christian. Um, anyway, but that's about there, all I've yeah, got. There's no mention of faith whatsoever. Yeah, but they just assume, you know, Christian. They, she lives in Kansas in 1939. 
you know, you can't get any more to, Christian than that. Come yeah, on. She's definitely going to a church where there's some snake handling in it for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's all I got for your, for your financials there, Troy. Okay. Well, let's talk about the people behind the camera and in front of the camera. We'll start with the director. So the director is a bunch of people. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah. Uh, Norman Torog oversaw many of the early tests of the film, but was eventually reassigned to another film instead. Richard Thorpe stepped in. Yep. After a few f- weeks of filming, the studio replaced him because he didn't understand how to film a fairy tale. They were not happy with what he was putting together. George Cooker, who at the time was working on the pre-production of Gone with the Wind, stepped in temporarily to help redefine the creative direction of the film. So to Brad's point, what you're seeing within the studio system is people are being passed around back and forth between projects. Yeah, I mean, uh, to give you another point, uh, Norman Tarog directed uh, 185 films. Um, Richard Thorpe directed 187 films. Yes. So the, these guys are just jumping from project to project to project. Yeah. Burn, burn and churn. Yep. So uh, after George Cooker, so after a few weeks, Cooker handed the reins off to Victor Fleming, who ultimately guided the film to completion. So he got it across the finish line. Now, yep. one thing to keep of note is King um, Vidor also did an uncredited stint shooting the Kansas scenes after Fleming had to go to work on Gone with the Wind. Right. So, so again, you have multiple directors here. So I just want to concentrate on Victor Fleming for a second. Uh, again, one of the, the big Hollywood directors of that time. Not only that year was he responsible for The Wizard of Oz, but he also um, directed Gone with the Wind in 1939. Which won Best Picture that year at the Academy Awards? Yes, right. sir. He also has done some other things, and I think that's a bad. I think that's a bad take by the Academy. No offense. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm curious, and and Masaki, if the if if Wizard of Oz is the oldest film you've seen, I'm guessing then you haven't seen some of the other Victor Fleming stuff. But I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna try here. No. Uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde from 1941. Maybe no, no. That's okay, a, that's an underrated one there. Yeah, it's good. How about uh, well. You probably haven't seen this. A Guy Named Joe, 1943. However, Spielberg remade it into a film called Always with Richard Dreyfuss. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? Probably not in your no. wheelhouse. Okay. No. Um, and then another one of notable fame is Joan of Arc from 48. Which so. I think it might be my favorite uh, Victor, Finley, uh, Victor <laughs> Fleming film is Joan of Arc. Yeah, I was going to ask, like you and Sammy, do you, do you have one that stands out of, uh, of his catalog that um, just really kind of speaks to you? Uh, I like his Treasure Island. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I like his. Uh, well, I guess I like his Jekyll and Hyde. Those two stand out. I have strong feelings about this one. I like Gone with the Wind. I just think it's kind of long. Okay. And I like I like Joan of Arc as well. Yeah, for, I I love this one, and I love a guy named Joe. I really like a guy named Joe. Right. I think that's yeah. just, just a sweet film. Yeah, Joe, now, guy named Joe's great. It, it's so good that I know some people don't like the remake and kind of find a saccharine and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy enjoy the remake. I do too. I I really liked always. I I mentioned on the podcast a while ago when you you when Troy mentioned his Doctor Strange Love conundrum where he had not seen it. Um, I had mentioned that I'd never seen Gone with the Wind, and I have since seen it, and it's very melodramatic, um, which yeah. makes it weird that it comes out the same year as The Wizard of Oz because you look back at those performances, you're like these are way over the top. And then we're going to like Oz and the performances are way more subdued and realistic. 
uh, as compared to those of uh, Gone with the Wind. So interesting there. Yeah, yeah. that is that is a good take on that. Uh, screenplay. Um, we've got Noel Langley, who also has a credit for story, Florence Ryerson, and Edgar Allan Wolfe. Now, The Wizard of Oz is based on the 1900 novel by L. Frank Baum. Uh, the movie was produced by Meryl Leroy, who also was a very prolific director of that time. He had directed over 80 films. Yeah. Cinematography is done by Harold. I Rosen. want to say that the story was also written basically by committee. I think there was like 20 people that actually wrote it. That, there are a ton, ton of uncredited. There's only three credited. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, cinematography. Now, <laughs> I know... I know this name, Harold Rosen, simply because he also Singing shot in Singing in the Rain from 1952, <laughs> right. which to me is is my favorite film of all time next to Drunken Master 2. Those, those are my two favorites. We've got... <laughs> Connect those dots. It is. They're, they're very close to being the same film. We can spend yeah. a couple hours on that one. <laughs> I know. Um, edited by Blanche Sewell. She worked from 1920 to 1949. Um around the time that she was doing wizard of oz you know the next year she followed up with broadway melody of 1940 so again she has a lot of film credits for that time period yeah music by harold arlen uh the film itself had a lot of makeup artists but jack don was the main makeup artist that uh kind of oversaw everything and then arnold gillespie was the head of special effects department for this film the reason I'm not going into a lot of detail on this, and we'll get to it a little bit when we get to the production and development. So Brad kind of alluded to it, but I want to spend a little bit of time on production and development and at least kind of point people in the right direction of where they can get a lot of information on this. Because again, there's so much that's been said about this film and so many documentaries. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's talk about the people in front of the camera and we got to start with Judy Garland. So again, I'm going to go back to you, Masaki. Did you even know who Judy Garland was before watching Wizard of Oz? You know, name-wise, I'm sure I've heard the name a couple times. As a person, no. Okay. But, so, like, I've heard her name, yes. Okay. Did, did you ever hear the song, um, I mean, that she is most famous for from this film before watching the movie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Francis Gum. That's actually her real name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, Sammy, what, what, what's your take on Judy Garland? I love Judy Garland. Um, I like meet me in St. Louis. I like oh, this film so a lot. Yes. I like a lot of her films actually. Um, star is born. I think that's my favorite version of star is born. Agreed. Yes. And, uh, there's really not for me a whole lot. She did wrong. Now it's a totally different type of acting we're talking about. We're talking about being able to do everything right. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a different, it's very broad. It's a different era. So you have to take that in consideration. This, you know, this is 39, 38 in the early forties. Acting is still very kind of loud, kind of fast paced, kind of overdone, kind of like plays a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of got to take that in consideration. Um, and she didn't really have, I think, um, you know, she died kind of young. She had a lot of problems behind the scenes, kind of young, very young, really two years younger than me. And, uh, she didn't really do a lot of stuff toward the end of her career that I remember too well, except a star is born and, uh, maybe judgment in Nuremberg. I think it might've been the last thing I saw her in. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I like, I like all those films. And when I think of her, I think of innocence is what I think of. Yeah. I, 
I, I think that wasn't that innocent <laughs> innocence, but also s- sort of this young class and elegance for, for a young movie star. I think, I think she brought a lot of that to her roles. Yeah. And also she, for me as a kid, she was kind of my first realization that Hollywood can chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I was going to say probably judgment at Nuremberg is probably my favorite performance by her. I don't know if I've seen, like meet me at St. Louis. Meet me in St. Louis. I don't know if I've seen that. If you haven't, you need that's really good. Okay. You need to correct that. Okay. Yeah. I I mean she's a Hollywood's like one of the, the your stereotypical like tragic stories yeah. on on the set of The Wizard of Oz. You know, they were giving her diet pills and uppers and all this stuff, and she becomes addicted and accidentally ODs. And you know, you could trace that lineage back to here calling her fat and all, all this stuff and making her play a 12 year old girl as she's developing, you know, it's again, she was under contract. She made, she was the second least paid person, uh, character, um, on this. The only, uh, actor that made less than her was Toto. So it was like, that was the pecking order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, she made $500 a week, I think. And I think Toto made one twenty five. So, well, and Shirley yeah. Temple was originally picked for mm-hmm. this role. Um, and then obviously she went to work on something else. And so Ju- yeah, Judy and she Garland came in. S- and she couldn't sing as well as Judy right. Garland. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's get into now, before we get into some key players, we'll talk about Frank Morgan. He plays a bunch of people in the film. Professor Marvel, the gatekeeper, the carriage driver, the guard, and of course, the Wizard of Oz. Um, so Masaki, did you pick up on on all his roles, or did you just recognize him from one or two? I picked him up um, at the end after you noticed <clears throat> you noticed it, uh, pointed out that's okay. Well, he had about a hundred acting credits going all the way back to 1916, uh, and his last film was in 1950, Key to the City. Uh, Sammy, are there any from his filmography that people should be paying attention to? Frank Morgan, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I liked him in, um, a tortilla flat. Yeah. I like him in, uh, trying to think Saratoga, that version of Saratoga. This, this is always the film. Uh, he's, he's usually just the character actor. He's really good in the shop around the corner, Mm -hmm. just little parts here and there, but he's, he is the definition of a character actor in a lot of ways and can do everything. Uh, cause that's what he was able to do. I mean, you can see that here that they rely on him to do just about everything in this one movie. Yeah. What was that the, the affairs of Cellini or whatever he was in? Isn't that, I think one of his more famous roles. Yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. I think he was a lead in that. So, yeah. I haven't but yeah seen like that. you said, I think he's probably your like first character actor, right? Cause he starts in yeah, he's, 1916 well, and it's like, has over a hundred roles um, and, and goes through the fifties. So, I mean, yep, he did well. That brings us to Ray Bulger as Hunk, AKA <laughs> the Scarecrow, various <laughs> film and television, including now this is, I know him from two things, the wizard of Oz and an episode <laughs> in Battlestar Galactica from the seventies. Oh, um, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but as soon as I remember seeing him on that show, I was like, Hey, that's the Scarecrow guy. Um, <laughs> but you know, we talk about Ray, um, Bert, Lara, Zeke, the cowardly lion, Jack Haley, um, as Hickory, the Tin Man, uh, which the Tin Man role was originally going to be Buddy Epson, but yeah. due to the allergic reaction to the aluminum powder makeup, Epson was taken out of the casting. Haley replaced him. 
you've got three gentlemen, you know, the Cowardly Lion, Scarecrow, Tin Man. They all worked in various film and television. Uh-huh. I I can't think of anything outside of Battlestar Galactica um, where these three actors stand out more than Wizard of Oz, unless unless you guys can think of something. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, not really. I think Jack Haley, maybe I've seen him in a few other things. And Bert Lahr is very memorable because he, he was a Broadway actor and kind of a vaudevillian type mm-hmm. actor who had a certain kind of delivery. A lot of people mimic it to this day, you know, put him up, put him up. <laughs> you know, he has a, fa- he has a very particular face. He too. does. He's yeah. a unique look, but, uh, I don't think I really remember seeing him in anything else. And to be honest with you, all three of these guys, they're so synonymous with me with this film. Yeah, that I can't really like if I saw him in anything else, I could barely remember it. I, I'd be the same way. I, I know I when I look at their filmography, I've seen some of those films. I can't remember them in those films. No, I can't either. But but I <laughs> I do remember Ray in Battlestar Galactica for whatever reason. Um, uh, that's yeah, Jack pretty, Haley is in a short in 1933 called Wrong Gorilla. Wrong Gorilla. <laughs> we need to watch yeah, that. But it's now. spelled as one word. Wrong Gorilla. Yeah. Uh, should have started that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Billy Burke as Glinda. So there is one film in her in her filmography, and I want to ask you guys if you've seen it. It's from 1943 called High Diddle Diddle. <laughs> I've seen it, yes. You've seen that. Brad, have you seen it? <laughs> I have Brad? not. I have not. Okay, Brad, this is disappointing because <laughs> Quentin Tarantino talks about this film all the time as one of the classic golden age comedies it and as the story goes i guess when he was working in the video store this uh high diddle diddle they would watch constantly and he would recommend it to everybody um and billy burke is in it and i got it i'm telling you brad you have to you have to watch this film like i think there's a dvd floating around out there that's pretty cheap but it is fantastic it is a great early 40s screwball comedy it's so the has the great adolf menju yes who nobody knows now but at one point in time was very popular. Yes. You, you have to watch this, Brad. You, you got to put that on your list. He was in passive glory. <laughs> uh, yeah, he might've been. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think, uh, I think that film might be, I don't know if it's in the public domain or not, but I know it's out there. You can oh, it that. is. It's easy to find. I think it's on YouTube too, but, yeah. um, knowing it's a QT favorite, Brad's got to own it. That's part of the code. <laughs> It's part of the code. It's part of the code. Uh, That brings us to Margaret Hamilton as Miss Gulch, also known as the Wicked Witch of the West. 127 acting credits. However, (laughs) she will always be remembered for this role more so than anything. Yeah, this might have been the first uh, actor that I remember as a kid that became kind of one with the role they performed. Yeah. Like I never, I mean, I saw her in tons of stuff growing up, um, but, and she had such a memorable face. Every time I saw her, all I could think was the Wicked Witch of the West, right? Yeah. And if you see interviews where they're just her talking about the role, how nice she is, Yeah, but she's still within that nice. She does the laugh. She'll do the, the laugh. La- oh like, God. Yep, it's, there it is. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She I is. watched that. I watched that clip from her on Mr. Rogers Yeah, um, where he explains to hey kids like she's an actor she's going to put on her costume and show you that there's nothing to be afraid of because she is still terrifying and was probably anywhere she went people were probably scared of her so yeah yeah um last but not least well not last uh we've got terry as toto 
actually had a pretty good filmography. He started with Ready for Love in 1934. Uh, and even after The Wizard of Oz went on to star or, or, or I guess, play a role in a Three Stooges short called Back from the Front, 1943. Masaki, in terms of dog performances, where would you rank Toto um, in the history of dog performances? Clearly after a, Air Bud, right? <laughs> Clearly after Air Bud. <laughs> Gotta put him maybe on a top five list. Oh, yeah, a top five maybe. list. Okay. I'd say top five. I don't know what top five list, but I'm going to just put him top five. Okay. Hey, I'm <laughs> with you. I'll, I'll go so far as say he's in top three. Probably number one. Name yeah. name a more famous yeah, maybe. dog than Terry, a.k.a. Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> Beethoven. He was Hooch? the titular character. Hooch? Maybe Hooch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah no, it's I, Hooch. But Terry's Terry's performance puts both of those dogs to shame. Back me Shaggy up on this. Shaggy DA, maybe the Shaggy DA. Terry. Wait, did you ask? Do you know like a more famous dog? Well, what's it more famous? And I mean, who acted better? Terry, oh. I think acted circles well, around mean, all these more others. Fa- more famous. You're forgetting about Scooby Doo. Um, Ooh. acted better. Okay, Ooh. that wasn't Not a live sure. dog. That wasn't a live dog, though. That was, was either a cartoon action. or CGI. The okay, dog was they're... CGI. <laughs> I'm talking. So what? There's a live action. Real okay. life puppers. There's no. Yeah. There's no better dog. Look, fight me on this one. All right. Look, my okay. our, my aunt who Landon never knew. Uh, she loved this movie so much that she had that that type of dog only. That's the only kind of dog she would buy. That I type believe of carrier. Yeah. Just what kind of what kind of dog is it? Uh, I don't know what it is. It's some it's type a, of terrier. Yeah, it's a type of terrier. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'm trying to look here to see what it is. It's a Carn Terrier. Okay. Um, this dog though had a run. It had one of the yeah. great Hollywood runs of all time. It's over a decade of acting. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to argue. Uh, there's actually a a statue in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery dedicated to Toto. Yeah. It's hard to argue. People were struggling to put food on the table, and this dog is making one hundred and twenty-five dollars a week. Yeah, the dog's making deservedly. It deserved that one hundred and twenty-five. So shut your mouth, Brad. She actually, she actually did break her foot making this movie. Mm. So it's got some Jackie Chan in its blood. Oh there. my gosh! Well, actually, when you think about some of the stuff Toto does, it is Jackie Chan esque. It is. Toto is the Jackie Chan in the dog acting world. <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, the last credit, I don't, every time I see this credit, even today, it shocks me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to list it because even IMDB lists it, but as the singer midgets, <laughs> that, that's, that's their name. The group of them, they play the munchkins, um, which I, has anybody seen the Chevy chase film under the rainbow? So I have, I made my grandmother take me to see it. Okay. Um, because again, I had a fascination with it. And also my grandmother had, which I'll get into a little more when we get to talking about the film, but my grandmother loved the wizard of Oz. And, uh, so she wanted to see it too. Um, and, uh, it's an interesting film. It's, it's, I don't think it's a great movie. Um, I have a soft spot for it. I do too. Uh, Cause it was on HBO all the time. It's the yeah. ter- it's a terrible movie. It's, 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 yeah, not, a great, it's, it's not a good movie. It's, it's interesting. But, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones. It doesn't age well. And nope. it, it the story behind the movie and behind the story that the movie is portraying and the story behind that movie is more interesting than the movie itself. But I still kind of enjoy it. Yeah. That's there's a lot of stories about this group. Um, 
behind the scenes and what went on. I mean, you could do an entire podcast on just uh, the Munchkin lore of Wizard of Oz. There might be one out there, actually. Is is there another prop in movie history that you would rather have than the death certificate of the Wicked Witch? Ooh. Uh, from this film in particular. Um, I mean, you have the ruby slippers, but ruby slippers, obviously. But the I think the I think the desert certificate of death is just a cool thing to have. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's easy to display, you know. Like, I like to have one of them flying monkey costumes. Yes, I was thinking I the love. same thing. I would go to work in that thing just to freak yeah. people out. Uh, <laughs> you swoop in on piano wire. <laughs> <laughs> actually the thing that i would love to have is if uh when they're going up to the castle to rescue dorothy one of them is carrying a net and the other one is carrying like a uh witch extermination can or something i would like to have that can the scarecrow so, has a little gun yeah so <laughs> you all notice that he's I know, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here but in blu-ray and high definition this is the first time I ever realized that there is a firearm in this movie. <laughs> in the 4K, gun. you're like, dude, the scarecrow's packing. It's an American movie. Yeah. It's a good joke. Landon, Landon had a good joke there. It's an American movie. But, I always do. But it's uh, it's funny because he obviously he doesn't know how to hold the gun or anything. But I'm sitting there thinking, what is he holding? What is that? <laughs> After all these years, I paused it and I got up and looked and I was like, he's holding a pistol. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. What is he going to do with a pistol? <laughs> All right. Um, God, we got we to gotta get into this. So real quick, production and development. There are so many Oof. good documentaries on the making of the film. The one I remember that kind of always stuck with me was there was a TV movie in 1990 called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, 50 Years of Magic. Angela Lansbury hosts and narrates the documentary. I think it's a fun 50,000-foot look at the making of the film. It's a great introductory place. Yeah. Uh, and it's less than an hour. But, but here's what you want, folks. Uh, for the movie, you have to own the 4K disc. It is gorgeous, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that quite a bit. Uh, you want the 70th anniversary three-disc Emerald Edition from 2009 for all of the special features. It's two mm-hmm. Blu-rays and a DVD. The yep. DVD by itself has uh, a feature called... MGM, When the Lion Roared, it's a massive six-hour documentary that details the rise and fall of Metro-Golden-Mayer Studios. Yeah, which I saw that on TNT back in the day, and then when they put that edition out, I bought it primarily for The Wizard of Oz, but also because of that bonus feature. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't even know how many copies I own of this, but as soon as that Emerald edition came out uh, for the special features alone, you, you just have to nab it. It goes for a pretty penny today. Yeah, it's it was a limited release and it's a, it's a nice box and everything. I have it. I have the uh I have the DVD set, I have the Blu-ray set. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is this one of the films that you own the most of? No, so not here's me. the weird well, not not you crazy people, but like do you think this is the the, the editions that people have the most I, of? I think it would be in people's top 10 probably, top yeah. 5. Uh yeah, I think most of us who us crazy people, I think most of us own <laughs> I bought it on Laserdisc, VHS. <laughs> a lot of the same movies. I mean, I don't know how many copies of Halloween I own. I don't know how many copies oh of Evil Dead 2 own. Yeah. You true. own uh, like five Friday the 13th copies right in that closet right there. Yeah. yeah so. I've seen them. That's not counting the box that it's in the other room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so something else to keep in mind when talking about this film 
is Wizard of Oz is 12 years after the first movie with dialogue. So if you yeah. think about it, the jazz singer comes out in 1927. That kind of kicks off the talkies. And this film isn't too far in terms of time from when people are getting exposed to that time, that type of film, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing that you have to keep in mind is it's also one of the first integrated musicals. So here's the thing, integrated musicals, it basically means that the songs aren't just performances, but they drive the narrative and occur naturally within the world of the film. So if you think quote, about them, quote unquote, naturally, yes. yeah, if, if you, if you think about the Marx brothers, like I love Marx brothers films, but you go through like the comedy and the shtick, and then all of a sudden there's a hard break and you get a <laughs> dance number, right. Or you get a musical sequence. And most of the films at that time were musicals. Uh, and well, I wouldn't say were musicals, but anytime a music element was, was introduced into the film, it wasn't a part of the story. It was a stop with the story and then here comes the the music interlude right and there'd be three or four performances right uh marx brothers are probably the best example for it because i think most people have seen those type of films uh, but this one is unusual because as the songs are occurring it's actually forwarding the plot which was a big deal at that time yeah and the other thing is only about a half dozen color feature films had been released prior to this one so we hadn't even gotten to 20 films released with, you know, color in them at this point. So again, that was sort of a big draw, uh, or at least the studios hoped it would be a big draw is that, you know, they're transitioning from color or excuse me, from black and white or monochrome into color and kind of creating that spectacle. So, uh, given how close it is to those, I would say three main factors, it's only about a decade, you know, from when we get talkies, it's one of the first integrated musicals and it's one of the early films to introduce color. It, it's pretty impressive what this thing sort of achieves right out of the gate. Yeah, you could argue this is the most important film of all time. You could. Yeah. It's either the most important or probably the most influential. It's one of the That's, two. Yeah. Or it's the, or it's the first modern film. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it, it's a weird, well, it's a weird thing. I, I thought about this when I was watching it, you know, this is, this is a franchise, but it doesn't really kind of hop on franchise. I mean, there had been a few other Wizard of Oz films made, but uh, with some really, some of those documentaries show you some really, I haven't seen any of those, so I don't know anything about them, but some crazy stuff, real lions and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, of course, this is old Hollywood. Don't tell them what, what was Didn't, going on. Weren't they trying to use the MGM lion for the lion? For, yeah, 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 yeah. They tried to yeah. cross, uh, yeah, kind of cross uh, advertise and promote that. Um, but this one, uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue it's it's the first real franchise picture, even though you don't really get a franchise out of it until much later. It, but it it has that defining kind of franchise feel. Yeah, that uh, you, you you can't deny it's there. Well, and it's it's weird. It has that franchise feel for um, you know Hollywood at that time was they were doing franchises, right? So you take like Universal Monsters, etc. Or you take like uh, Mickey Rooney movies or Charlie oh, yeah. Temple movies. Yeah, Those all of them. Yeah. yeah. And they had a couple. Like, it was like TV. It was like TV then. There was no television. So yeah. you went to the movies every week or every couple of weeks to see the next Shirley Temple. You got to go see that next Shirley Temple picture. Yeah. Uh, see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Going to the pitches. Well, let's, let's take a quick break and then I want to come back and we're going to dive in. This might be a little different. 
because I want to start the conversation with some questions about this. And Masaki, we're going to put you on the spot. I mean, the reason why you're here is we we want to dissect your opinion on this because you're the youngin of the group. Um, Oh, yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to share our thoughts on 1939's Wizard of Oz. So stay tuned. Place like home. It can't do, darling. Well, she seems all right now. We kind of thought she was going to leave us. But I did leave, and I tried to get back for days. You just had a bad dream. Sure. Remember me? Oh, but it wasn't a dream. Only you were blue, and you were red, and you were yellow. (laughs) You were all in color, and all so beautiful. Oh, it was a lot better. Help the M&Ms find their colors. The Wind, the greatest motion picture of all time, the most awaited video of all time. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Winner of nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture. And I'll think of some way to get him back. After all, tomorrow is another day. The most unforgettable love story ever told. I love you more than I've ever loved any woman. This classic can now be yours to cherish forever. Gone with the Wind. Now available to buy on video. The perfect gift. And we're back. You totally should have said we're off to see the wizard. We're off. I ruined it. You're right. Gosh, Jesus dang it. Christ, it's right there. I know. You're right. <laughs> okay. So, Masaki, I'm starting with you. Let's yep. follow the yellow brick road. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is this is the question I've been asking myself uh, since I've watched this film. And I'm really curious on your opinion. So, how does this film hold up for a generation that has been raised on spectacle franchises and limited output of live action musicals. I think most of the musicals that you would have grown up with at this point have been more like Disney oriented or animated oriented. I mean, that that's where a lot of musicals live today. We do have some live action ones, but not to the extent of what they were putting out in the thirties and forties. So I'm really curious. This is your first time watch, and I know you're a big, you know, Marvel fan, um, and you're DC, and, and and I love your passion for like the franchises. But I'm really curious going back and watching now your oldest film you've ever seen, 1939. How does it hold up given what you're what you've been exposed to from a movie watching perspective? Well, I mean, I absolutely love it because um, although all musicals that I've basically seen in the last gosh, I don't know, 10 years now. Are you a fan of musicals in general? Um, yes. I love musicals. I'm only laughing. I'm only laughing because I'm thinking about him being two years old. (laughs) 
and I already, you know, scratching the chin going, hmm, the songs were just not on point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So but, he saw RRR as well. So that's, yeah. Uh, that's oh my gosh. Movie, which is an old school Hollywood musical in a way. Yeah, it is. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, I love like live action. There's not many now that the generation that I technically I'm in will really like look up to. But I feel like the Wizard of Oz has almost carried that from all the way to that generation to now. Cause I still hear sometimes I'll see people, um, when I'm just looking at reviews, I will sometimes see people reference it to the Wizard of Oz and how the Wizard of Oz has changed certain things in cinema and everything. Uh, so I feel like, uh, my dad or Sammy. I, what name do you want me to use? It's actually concerning. You may call me Pop Pop. Okay, that's. I, I hate Can it. I call you, you call me the wizard? Can I call you Pop Pop? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, you don't want to know what my wish is for Sammy. <laughs> hey, Gigi! <laughs> Anyways, would, would you have watched this film had we not forced you to see it? No, yeah, I, I wanted to watch it anyways. Oh, okay. I was going to, but he didn't own it digitally, and he has way too many <laughs> physical copies for me to try and right, find right. it. All right, it, we don't need we don't need to bring your mom. Dad, there's a thousand sitting on the floor. <laughs> he <laughs> said like, digital, and I had a heart attack. I was like, "Wait, yeah. there's a disc." Well, I know there's many. Brad, discs. I, I have both. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of course you do. <laughs> I have too many of both. You, you couldn't be in our small circle unless you had like two digital copies, eighteen physical copies. Yeah, um, it takes me it takes me five hours to go through my digital library. <laughs> Uh, do, do any of your friends uh, watch this film? I mean, I guess today, not. I, I think this is one of those family friendly films that you might introduce a kid to early. But are any of your friends interested in watching this sort of on their own from a from a film exploration perspective? Uh, oh, no, probably not. Okay. It's, I mean, it's sort of disappointing sometimes when you think about like. What well, because most people now, like some kids nowadays, are gonna like want to watch other stuff than what you would actually expect them to want to watch. Okay, um, I don't want to go in like specific stuff because I think, you, Dad, I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, I, I think a, you're you're a, of that age where, yeah, well, you're of that age where you're kind of crossing over into another realm, so you're yeah. crossing over into horror stuff and more suspense thriller type stuff and getting away from the safe stuff. And the wizard of Oz has a reputation for being a safe movie. Now I would, I would beg to differ on any of that. I think this, I think this is a very hard G rated film in my opinion. I I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, So would my son, son, I can tell you that for a fact. (laughs) So it's even rewatching it. Now I thought to myself, I had moments. I knew he'd be okay because I've shown him Nope. He's seen Nope with me, and he's yeah, seen. I love Nope. Other I was stuff. watching it, but even then, watching, it, I'm thinking, oh, well, how's he going to handle this? There's some trauma involving her her loved ones. There's the tornado itself is incredibly well done, still to this day. Yes, and it's still intimidating. And you know, we're pumping the sound and everything else, and 
So I was, I had moments where I was like, wow, I'm really just kind of like, you're going to sit down and watch this traumatic experience <laughs> <laughs> with your dad. film that traumatized me. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess another question I would have for you, Masaki, is, is do you think the film is boring to new viewers? No. No. It, it has enough, all. it has enough spectacle to keep people mm-hmm. interested or. Well, me, yes, but other people. Yeah, I'd say they'll be entertained by it. Okay. Really kept into it. All right. Uh, Brad, do you, do you yeah. think the film has aged well? Oh, absolutely. I, I think even though I've seen this countless times, yeah. there's a moment that I had never really realized is a moment in this film. It's when she goes into Oz, when the, she goes out of the, the, the house and it goes into Oz and like the music cuts out for what feels like minutes. Right. And you're just taking in all the color and all of it. And they're just letting that speak volumes and there's literally no sound. And then it slowly picks back up and, and it, it really just lets you take in that moment. And I, I, I'm trying to put myself into like 1939 shoes. And that moment is probably a moment that you would remember for the rest of your life. And it was so smart of them to just let it sit there for a second and people lose their absolute minds. And even I did it the other day seeing it. I'm like, this is beautiful. It, it, well, I guess talk about it now, like the 4k just brings this whole picture to life to a whole different degree. It's like the first time I ever saw it. It just looks so beautiful. And, you know, they made all these choices, like the flowers, they're plastic. Like everything is very like made by choice. Like it is like Dorothy's mind of what she would think that this would be like. So yeah, I I was surprised at how well it held up and how things just hit differently this time. And yeah, even even the stuff at the very beginning in like the sepia tone sort of brown. Yeah. It's more brown than I would say black and white. Because Kansas is I grew up there. It's very brown. Yeah. 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 Um I don't know why uh-huh. Dorothy wants to go back to Kansas. I mean, because Kansas why, is cool, so hush. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I just like I like I was saying, this is not even close to the. I, I don't know. I've seen this a hundred times, and and this time it was like seeing it for the first time again, just with the way it just popped and stuff. And I watched it um, with Max for a little bit. He, uh, it didn't really carry him that much. I think again, it starts off like that brown sort of black and white, and then gets going. And the witch, I mean, the witches. Scare. I mean, it is scary (laughs) at points. You're like, oh gosh, this is really intense. And knowing that they had to cut some of that stuff out even more, it's, it's, uh, I would like to see that uh, two hour cut that they have somewhere, but yeah. Okay. Well, the question I have for you, Sammy, why does this film stand out among all the other films, specifically of 1939? So Brad touched on this a little bit. Here are the best picture nominees of that year. We've got Gone with the Wind, which won, right? But I would argue Wizard of Oz is even more popular than that, simply because of the number of times that you get a Wizard of Oz re-release, right? On, I would argue. On, I would argue it's a better film than that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
the thing with Gone with the Winds is four hours. <laughs> it is, but I mean, box office wise, it it probably still is number one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a great it's a great film, but yeah, I, just, I I think it's it's a great example of a studio on top of the world. Yeah. So you best picture win or best picture nominees of that year were Gone with the Wind, Dark Victory, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Love Affair, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Ninochka of Mice and Men, Stagecoach, and Wuthering Heights. And I thought it was interesting that same year you had some other films that are, I think, are considered some classics. You you get the beginning of the the is it Basil Rothbone and Nigel Bruce, the Sherlock Holmes films. They released mm-hmm. two that year. The yep. Adventure of Sherlock Holmes and Hound of Baskervilles, which are classic thrillers. And and for me, I would say they are the definitive Sherlock Holmes movies. Yes, Basil Rathbone is the definitive Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely. You get the Marx Brothers at At the Circus. You get Bubsy Berkeley musical uh, Babes in Arms, which is really good. You even get Laurel and Hardy doing the Flying Deuces. You get the Hunchback of Notre Dame with Charles Lawton. Alfred Hitchcock gives us Jamaica Inn. Randolph Scott gave us Jesse James. You mentioned that one, Brad. Shirley Temple has The Little Princess. Cary Grant has Only Angels Have Wings. And you have Karloff and Lugosi showing up for Son of Frankenstein. All came out in 1939. Yeah. Why do you think The Wizard of Oz stands out among all those? Well, I think that The Wizard of Oz is, it's the prototype of the, I mean, it is the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it is in a lot of ways, the prototype for a lot of these films that we, we don't call it a hero's journey because it's a female. Yeah. I, I mean, but, we should. It, it is very, but it, but it yeah. is that film, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. All the films we loved, our generation, the film-loving generation, especially Troy and I of the seventies and eighties. I mean, this film. When I when my grandmother showed this to me, I was just blown away. Now we didn't. Uh, I saw it on TV, one of those special uh, TV events. My grandmother had been watching it every year since nineteen fifty six, and uh, it came on every year. And I watched it every year because this is before VHS. Yeah. Get a load of this. So imagine you're at home and you're like, I want to see this movie, but you can't go to a video store. You can't download it. And it's not in the theaters. So you have to wait an entire year, Yeah, an entire year. You know, they're going to show it. And in Kansas, I mean, it was like we all took work off and school off because Wizard of Oz. I mean, what crazy. else are you going to do in Kansas? <laughs> You, you play with the dust. You were going to play with the dust and uh, fly a kite, you know, because there's Hold, a lot of wind. Holding up the dust going, you have until this dust comes out of my hand. <laughs> but what no, what no. would you do if you, you're like, man, I really like Moon Knight. And you're like, oh, man, you can't watch it except once a year. And you got to watch it with commercials. Would that yeah. drive you nuts? I'm sure the commercials would drive me nuts. Yeah. Okay. You can't, listen, young snapper. You don't know how well you've got it. <laughs> right okay, now. here we go. So yeah, so oh no, well, not, not only thinking about the Wizard of Oz having to wait a year every year for the yeah. Wizard of Oz, but there was only when I was a kid there was only a handful of films that they did this for. Oh yeah, uh, you would see Gone with the Wind once a year. Uh, it'd be like a two night event, sometimes a three night event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd have uh, Wizard of Oz. You'd have Lawrence of Arabia sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but they were these gigantic long films, and you and you couldn't. Yeah, if you wanted to see Lawrence of Arabia again, 
You, you could talk about it. <laughs> I, I remember discovering James Bond in the movie theaters, but wanting to go and watch older ones. And it was like, you had to wait for them to come on TV. Yeah. So, yeah. which was so crazy. When cable, when cable came, it was a revelation, right? Because yeah. now we had access, or at least we thought it was a revelation because now we had access to all these films, but we didn't even realize that there was a whole bunch of films we still hadn't seen. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, arguably you don't have star Wars without the wizard of Oz. You don't have, you don't have modern. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have modern films. Yeah. Without mm, the Wizard yeah. of Oz. I think the wizard of Oz out of all those films you mentioned in 1939, I don't think any of them feels more modern than that film. That maybe, that maybe gone with the wind. Maybe. Again, it's so melodramatic, man. Yeah. It is. It yes. Is but unbearable. I mean, you but could argue there's been some stuff like that. Like I, I think of cold mountain, the, uh, Anthony Mangella film. It was a little melodramatic. Yeah. Kind of gone with the windish. It is, but what? But I, I would agree with you that the Wizard of Oz. I mean, and and maybe I'm curious, like how does the Wizard of Oz hold up to? Because the Marvel or DC franchise, when we talk about comic book films, I know this has come up on several different podcasts, and we talk about the formula that they're using. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, aren't they kind of copying that Wizard of Oz formula to a certain degree in terms of hero's journey? Here's the spectacle. Um, it is a merging of everything that makes a film a film, more or less, yeah. up to the eleventh f- degree. I almost feel like um, Thor was somewhat of a copy of Wizard of Oz because Asgard felt like really similar to Oz at points, with you know, oh, yellow yeah. brick road being that rainbow. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think, especially uh, the last two Thor films, if anybody was going to try to extrapolate Wizard of Oz stuff and put it into a Marvel film. It's definitely going to be Taco Matiti. Definitely- and then, you know, you have the flying monkeys and then you also have, you know, flying horses, flying goats. Got yeah, I mean, all of it's there, right? So I think, yeah. Troy, you ask a very good question and uh, I can't deny that that stuff's not there. But I think what the Wizard of Oz has, at least for me, and I, you know, for Landon's generation and for kids of this generation who are growing up on these films, Maybe this is the case with comic book films, but and, and maybe this is just old man yelling at, at clouds type thing. But Wizard of Oz has a level of magic that I don't think those films have. Okay. I think yeah. those films have a level of awesomeness, some of them. Some of them, a level of spectacle that's unbelievable, unrivaled in some ways. But I can't think of any moment in any Marvel film that's as magical as when she has to say goodbye to her friends or when she meets these characters for the first time or when the wizard is explaining things. And I talked to Landon about this a little bit after we watched it and stuff. When the wizard's explaining things to the, the tin man and the scarecrow. And I don't think any of the Marvel films come close to that kind of heart. Okay. And I think that that's what for me, carries this on as arguably um you know without giving away too much here one of the greatest films ever made i you know it's it's a really weird situation because this is a movie made by committee so technically this should not be as great as it is well it's it's made by a committee that at the very start were not all on the same page either yeah which yeah. is even and crazy even and even they make it and then they cut big chunks of it out yeah, yeah. Because they're well, like, we we don't know what we got here. This is gonna this is gonna fail miserably. Ah, the world is the sky's falling. They don't know what to do with it. And and all back in 1939, movies hit the theaters, and you had a week. 
Uh-huh. You had a week. And if you didn't make an impact in a week, you're gone because they got five more movies waiting to to hit that theater. This is this is before multiplexes. We didn't mention that. So oh, yeah, this, this is back when movie houses had one screen. Uh-huh. So you had to have an impact. Now there was and, a theater pretty much on every block. <laughs> yeah. Now and the and the, the studios themselves owned theaters. Yes, they owned uh, them. Before individual uh theater chains. So they were able to put their movies into their own theaters, and then if it was a big enough hit, some other uh, but usually, you know, Warner Brothers is like, ah, we're not gonna tell you we don't want your Oz movie and all this kind of stuff. And uh so you had to make an impact. And this movie it it did make an impact when it was released, at least in the documentaries I saw and stuff, because people kept talking about it. But this is before again, this is before a time when they start re releasing movies and stuff. They're just trying to throw a new product out there all the time. Yeah. And it was a good model for them. It was a good model for them, and they made a lot of money doing that. Um, so this is a bomb by sense of the kind of paradigm of theater going back in 1939, right? That's true. Um, I, I, but it, but it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring it up because I see so much of the stuff that we grew up loving ET, uh, star Wars, even Indiana Jones in some ways, all these films we love so much, these films of the eighties and the late seventies that are certainly synonymous with a generation of, of kids. The Wizard of Oz is all over that stuff. But then when if I take a breath and step back, the Wizard of Oz is actually all over the stuff Landon's growing up with as well. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty interesting. No, I, I think that's an interesting take. I and I'm I'm curious, um, Landon, I mean, does it does it surprise you that the Library of Congress says this is the most watched movie ever? Ever. Of all the movies that exist, this is the most watched one. No, because I mean, it is probably the most influential movie of all time. Like I feel like every almost everything that modern and cinema after um this film, I feel like somewhat of the films have the influence from The Wizard of Oz and they got some key points of, you know, some of the best parts of those films from this movie. Okay. Yeah. I, I've always asked the question given its impact and when it's released, uh, cause AFI did a hundred years, hundred movies and, and wizard of Oz ranked number 10. So that that's yeah. respectable out of a hundred. And I mean, we're talking Well, that's out of all the films out of all the films. Yeah. And if you, if you look at, you know, citizen Kane and stuff that are in, that are in the top 10, you're like, okay, this definitely, I think deserves to sit in the pantheon. Uh, but every time I revisit it, I, I, I feel like I'm watching it again for the first time. Now, keep in mind, I, I think, you know, this is, comes from Sammy and I's generation. We grew up with this thing on TV first and it was an event to watch this, uh, when it came on, like you, you were watching the wizard of Oz at night, you and the entire family, especially in Kansas, it was a Kansas thing, right? <laughs> I mean, so, what else is going on at night? A Jayhawks game, believe it or not, we had TV back then too. Um, oh. yeah. So <laughs> you, you just watched it. And even after growing out of it from a kid and watching it in my teens, twenties, thirties, et cetera, and now watching the 4k, enough can't be said with that 4k because it feels like you see every detail of the brick in that yellow brick road. Now Yeah, her dress has pink in it. I always thought it was blue and white. It's blue and pink. Yeah. It's crazy (laughs) how 
just spectacular it looks from a set design to makeup effects, et cetera. Yeah. You can actually see her freckles in real time. Now I can always see them in the photographs. I can never see them on TV. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've always just kind of scratched my head. I'm like, what is it about the DNA of this film that manages to speak to, I think every generation, like you can watch it as a kid. I think you can appreciate as a teen, obviously as, as Landon has kind of experiencing it. Um, but even into adulthood, I really enjoy watching this and I'm, I'm trying to like dissect it and go, what, what is that secret sauce that's under it that all of a sudden this film, this musical, this fairy tale, it's a fairy tale. How does it manage to hang on to the collective conscience for so long and influence everything? Well, yeah. it's, it's funny because I think arguably that Citizen Kane is a better film than the wizard of Oz. And I love citizen Kane and I I've seen citizen Kane multiple times, but I don't feel the magic like I do when I watch the wizard of Oz. And I think it just, it transforms me back to when I was a child, this, it it just makes us all feel like that moment. Our parents said, no, you were going to watch this. This is special. And you see it and you're like, Oh, it is special. We're, I, I I don't I don't know if there's a better film choice ever made than to start this movie off as black and white and they go into color. Like I don't <laughs> I can't to me that is the greatest cinema choice of all time. And I think it just is when you think of magical films and being taken away to a magical place, The Wizard of Oz is it. Period. Period. Yeah. Like well- a galaxy far, far away. Yes, I. Star Wars is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But when I get transformed into a child, it is going to Oz. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point. The Wizard of Oz is magical in its story, whereas Citizen Kane for me is magical in its filmmaking. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great film. I love Citizen Kane. Most of us do. Landon obviously has never seen it, but that is an example of what the medium can do. But the Wizard of Oz is an example of what not only the medium can do, but how it can it can kind of transcend the medium and kind of become this popular form of entertainment that everybody can relate to. And I think, you know, Troy, talking about this is you've had me thinking here what some of the other things that maybe have held this film, because this is a film that men and women identify with, oh, even though it has yeah, a, a female lead. Yeah. But I think what we all identify with is that moment when we realize that we're going to have to break away from our guardians at some point, the, the, the changeover from adolescence to adulthood, the, for lack of a better term, time to grow up moment. Um, that's a really powerful moment in all of our lives. All three of us have experienced it. Landon hasn't experienced it yet, but it's, it's around the corner. And when you experience a job, Landon, I don't want to hear it. Start paying some bills. But the, the, the truth is we, regardless of age or not regardless of age, but regardless of sex and regardless of what we are, we can all relate to that in some way. Societally, we can all relate to that because we are all going to get there at some point. And I think that that's the magic of the film in a lot of ways. It's, it's finding your own way. It's finding yourself. I told Landon one of the most beautiful things about this movie as I've gotten older that I've realized is the scarecrow has a brain all along. Wow. Yep. The tin man has a heart all along. Mm-hmm. 
The cowardly lion is not a coward at all. The thing is, these guys just don't realize what their value is yet. They needed somebody to come along in their lives, like we do with our friendships and our relationships and our children, our pets, however you want to look at it. These things that round out our life. Maybe even you could argue bring our life into full color like they do in here. That's a reach. I'll admit that's a bit of a reach. But <laughs> it's there. The metaphor is there. And this movie, I mean, I almost start to tear up even talking about it. But it, it, it reminds me of how important your self-value is too what you think of yourself not just what people think of you there's great lines in here uh, about brains and hearts and things like that but it's a very important movie about self-worth and not in a selfish way in that self-worth way where you're willing to sacrifice things for yourself for the benefit of your friends your family and dorothy is she's she's selfless in a lot of ways she's this very interesting character she seems like what you're watching, you're thinking, oh, she's a selfish character who just wants to get back home. But she's constantly willing to give things up to help her friends. And I think that speaks to all of us in some way, even the, the ones of us who don't think that we're that way. I think that speaks to all of us in some way. Yeah, Dorothy, uh, <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I find every time I watch this film, it's this constant reminder. Like To me, one of the most beautiful moments in cinema history is um, Judy Garland singing you know, the most famous American musical song, yeah. you know, lose yourself by Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> but when she's singing over the rainbow, I mean, and you hear that message and that yearning of she's looking at her life and she just can't wait to get out of Kansas. Just can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. She's like, I'm so tired of this dust and wind. I can see Troy walking across. I was late about Kentucky. My, like my pigtails and all, um, <laughs> He's 27 miles away, but I can still see him like he's. Yeah, but it just everybody at some point in their life stops and goes, I want this. I want more. I want what's over there. And then they go on this journey and the self-realization into your point. I mean, there's there's so much messaging in here that I think, um, I don't know, there's a charm and elegance in this film that I don't think you see in modern filmmaking um, even in the best Disney animated films where you've got a hero's journey, but at every point in your life from, you know, 10 to 70, you could watch this film and it's going to speak to you in some fashion. Yeah. It's, it's always going to speak to you. Like I can't think of another film that has this universal appeal that at every stage of your life, it just becomes this constant reminder of those things that you talked about, like know your self-worth, know your value. Um, yes, you're always going to be reaching over the rainbow and you want these other things, but you have to you have to value the community and the family and the things that you have right now. Um, yeah. And, you know, grass is greener on the other side, still needs to be mowed, right? Yeah. So it, 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 it can... Or, you, you know, you had it all along. Yeah, you had it all along. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's amazing to me that messaging that's there and, and how simple it is, but, but how it just kind of transcends, um, just your age. Like you, you always yeah. gravitate to it. And I don't, I don't know if Victor Fleming or Marvin Leroy or any of these people knew what they were doing. Uh, I don't even know if, if, if Frank Baum knew what he was doing. Um, but somehow, some way he created this, this world that can be used for a metaphor for so many different instances in your life. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that, that stuff's there kind of naturally as well. And 
I don't know if, if they meant, like I said, I don't know. I don't think they intended to do it because this is a movie by committee, but somewhere along the way, this movie transcended all that and people became caught up in it. And also it's a product of its time. Really? I mean, you think about 1939, you guys mentioned this, you got world war two going on. Um, the beginnings yeah, officially starts in six days after this movie is released. Yeah. yeah. And you're coming, you're coming out of the great depression too. Mm-hmm. So you're coming out of the great depression, you're coming out of a really tough time in the United States. Something Landon would definitely not even understand. I mean, even honestly, let's be honest. We don't even understand it. Well, he, uh, we, we, we just read stories, right? He had it. I, I think we've all had a taste of it with the pandemic. If you think, well, about yeah, it. yeah, it's similar. Well, yeah. 2007, 2009 was the other case of deflation. So to think of, you know, economically we were, not as bad, but it could have been really, really bad. Um, and and then, of course, the pandemic as well. Well, I mean, we've always been told like, oh, you know, the the Great Depression was a once in a lifetime sort of deal, and we were close to it, very close to it in two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then again, almost in, with the the pandemic. So, um, it's it's funny. Sammy brings up like Bomb's original idea, in you know, was it just. Did things just kind of happen magically? Like a lot of people, I was reading some stuff about how they they see his original book and the story as like a political satire and um, social satire. Like you have the uh, girl from the Midwest, so like every, you know everybody, mm-hmm. you know typical American meets up with the brainless scarecrow, which is your farming farmers. People from Kansas, so they're brainless. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, Troy. Ahead, no, sorry. That's fine. Uh, you know, That's a, fine. A, tin, a tin man who basically represents industry, <laughs> and then a cowardly lion who, who's your all the politicians. They follow the yellow brick road, which is the gold standard. But in the book, she has silver shoes, not ruby, uh, not um, ruby slippers. But and so it's like we should follow the the silver standard. It's like this weird sort of like no, this standard is better than this standard. But this is funny that all this stuff comes together to make a film that is like the most timeless film. I, I you could tell me that the wizard of Oz was made in 1984 and I would believe you. You could tell me it was made in 1974. I would believe you. If you told me it was made in 1944, I would believe you. Like it just is timeless. And I, I don't think there's any other film that feels that way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's hard for me to disagree. I mean, I can make an argument, I guess, but I mean, I don't want to because I think you're right. Because <laughs> you have a soul. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to move the conversation over to the look of the film because we've, we've talked a lot about the stories uh, and some of the deeper meanings to it. So Landon, I'm really curious. First time watch, you, you come into this film. It's from 1939. Was there anything that stood out for you in terms of the set design, makeup effects? I mean, did it blow you away? Did you like any of it? Did it look dated? I'm just trying to get your feel for this, given you know uh, a 1939 film with a lot of this practical effects, matte paintings, etc., versus you know the the CGI spectacles and stuff that you're kind of exposed to today. Okay, so there's a couple of points that I thought were sort of fascinating. The early like works of the special effects. Like when the uh one of the witches, I don't know which one. It's like when she first like comes out of like a bubble or something. Okay, Glenda. Yep. Like, Good witch. 
that doesn't even like look awful comparing to some of Marvel's recent CGI. It's like it's almost sometimes same level because oh. I mean it's a little oh, sketchy. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> hey, can you stop laughing? I will. Oh, okay. Watch out! Your your sister's you need, moving room to room. She's involved. I'm scared of her. You need to stop saying like that because you are Marvel's number one hater. I do not want to hear every Marvel movie. Oh yeah, maybe that was average. Uh, it's okay. It's all right. Like I don't want to hear it from you. Continuing, um, set design looked good. Um, I thought it was different, and it was one of the early movies that had color in it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's one of the very first ones. Yeah, so that looked good for only early, like starting that and not I, really knowing. I tried to explain to Landon what Technicolor was, and his mind was kind of blown. <laughs> it was very blown, honestly. It's Technicolor as a just history lesson is pretty important. For yeah, film. yeah. What I did, I think Sammy or or maybe Brad had made a comment about how scary. Uh, some of the elements are in the film. Did, did you, were you scared at any point? No, seriously. No, I no. was. I was terrified. I was on the ground shaking. No, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, not even the did flying I look monkeys. Scared, Dad? No, the flying monkeys. That's something I'm never gonna forget. But that's well, something. I mean, that, that's some pretty frightening stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of surprised it didn't get to him that much. Um, no. Not, not that it's a terrifying movie, but it. It certainly has elements of peril that I think are still to hold up. And I, I think the haunted forest itself just alone is incredibly influential. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think of the haunted forest all the time of any haunted forest. The first haunted forest I always think of is the Oz haunted forest. <laughs> it's true. There, there's, uh, there's a lot of creepy elements layered into it that I don't know if it was intentional to be scary or just unsettling. But when you talk about the haunted forest, it also makes me think about um, them taking the apples from the trees and how startling it is that the, the trees kind of come to life and they start pelting uh, Dorothy and the Scarecrow with these apples. But the, those trees are a little creepy, too. Was it the same person that uh, played the cowardly lion that played the tree? No. Or was it just the face similarities? That's all. I was, <laughs> that was Well, one of Sammy's points was like, the scarecrow had a brain the whole time. That's like the yeah. first instance we get where the, the scarecrow uses his brain to, he's like, I'll show you how to get apples. And he comes up with an idea how to get apples. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wait, you have a brain the whole time, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it took uh, me till adulthood to figure out, like I said, I came up with that. I, I came up with that after I got to be an adult as a kid watching it. I never put that together. I thought, mm -hmm. well, you know, I didn't even, I mean, there was, I figured out the great line of dialogue of, you know, well, there's a lot of people with brains that talk a lot, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, it's my favorite line of the entire film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great line. Oh, they all have great lines like yeah. that. And, um, and that stuff kind of hit home, but it never really occurred to me until I got to be an adult that these characters, again, they had it all. They just didn't understand their self-worth yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for you, Sammy, is there, is there any standout in terms of the, the visual presentation for oh, yeah. this 1939 film that There's even today, it just kind of takes your breath away. There's a lot. I'm a huge fan of old Hollywood films, as you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm probably the one that picks the most of our old on our podcast, picks the most of old Hollywood films, film noir and Technicolor films, sound films, all those films. I love, I grew up loving that stuff. 
uh, when I was young, American movie classics hit and I just like went to school and just watched a ton of American movie class. That was back when AMC just showed movie after movie, after movie, after mm-hmm. movie, after movie, they, they didn't show anything else. And I would watch WC Fields films and Keaton films and all these movies and Technicolor films were some of my favorites, um, because they just, Technicolor has a, a rich look. It's not quite color it's 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 an odd it well it is color but it's a it's a it's a weird way that the 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 three three strips kind of uh the three colors kind of play with your brain right yeah and i try to explain that the land it's kind of like 3d you know it's not really 3d but the cameras and what the glasses do is tricking your brain into thinking it's 3d so it feels like it's in three dimensions well technicolor is kind of doing the same thing it's kind of just taking three primary colors putting them over top of each other and you get this kind of rich colorful look but it's not true color it's technicolor it's a, it's an interesting and it's unique it's unique to uh old films and i love that uh also i'm a huge huge even to this day i love matte paintings yes uh, i've always loved matte paintings it doesn't matter how great cgi effects get i still will stand on my old man milk crate and say, well, I don't know if it's as good as Matt paintings. <laughs> How do you feel about rear projection too? Like when she's flying through the, so the rear projection in this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes rear projection is like, remember like in the police squad when they would do the rear projection yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were making Thr- a thrilling bloody sword where they're doing the dwarves. Basically they're making fun of rear projection in those cases, mm-hmm. but, the rear projection in this is pretty amazing. I mean, when she's walking toward her house and that tornado's going, uh, that's projected from a special effects shot they made, which I didn't know until I watched the documentary on this film of years back that the tornado was an actual physical like windsock. Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that crazy? That tornado effect by itself in 4K, you might not know this, Sammy, since you don't know the 4K yet. But oh, yeah. oh I saw 1080p, so 2160p. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally yeah. different in in 4K. Uh, you, I mean, you you might as well I mean, just be watching VHS really at that point. But, yeah, you know, it's fine. But when they you got that most soundtrack, or is that not? Is it just was it just 5.1, 7.1? Uh, I don't I don't think it was Atmos. Um, I don't think it's Atmos. Yeah, I think it's, uh, but that tornado effect is one of the most to this day most impressive visual effects on screen. I think so. And how they did it is probably even more crazy that you see in the documentary. But it it looks so menacing, but yet so cool in how they do it, especially with that sort of brown tint um, that is across it. I mean, it, you feel that tornado coming after them. You know, you know the sound that the wind makes. That's just people making noise with their. That's just people. It's so cool. It's yeah. It is really cool. It's just. Old, old school filmmaking. Like, I, I think you respect what they get out of 1939. Like they were able to put out the Wizard of Oz, and you look at it, and you're like, I, I have no idea how you all did it. And I think I respect that more than, and not taking away from anything that people do on a computer, but there's just something about putting stuff together and making yeah. things, and it's on screen, and you're, you can just see the blood, sweat, and tears on it as opposed to seeing a dinosaur. And you're like, I'm sure I know there's a ton of craftsmanship that goes into that. Sure. It just feels way different. Yeah. There's a lot of great things in here that, you know, for people who love movies 
um, you know, to kind of go back and look at Scarecrow being, uh, you know, uh, Ray Bolger being kind of buried, you know, halfway in the floor so they can flop around his body and yeah. tear it apart and stuff, which is a trick that Tom Savini would later use mm-hmm. for zombie films. And, you know, the cowardly lion's uh, tail is on a, is on a fishing rod mm-hmm. and the guy above the rafters is moving it around, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, there's, these are simple effects. They, they sound funny when we talk about them now, windsock is a tornado and, and all these things. It sounds funny when we talk about it now, but it, it's amazing. And I don't think that this film, the thing about the wizard of Oz is it's one of the few films that I don't think really has like a weakness. I think the cinematography is great. I think the production design is great. I think the story itself is great. I think the dialogue is great. I think the dialogue's overlooked a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've true. all gotten so used to hearing these characters talk and they talk in these kind of witticisms or however you want to say it and these little nuggets of knowledge they're always kind of dropping. And we kind of lose track of the fact of how witty the movie really is. Um, but I think everything kind of comes together and it's pretty amazing. It's, 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 it's pretty amazing that this film is almost 75 years old and it's held up as well as it has. Oh, I agree. Was there any standout moments for you, Brad, in terms of, of the presentation? Well, not like presentation, but like this time I noticed this is kind of like the Cowardly Lions movie in a way when they get to Oz. Yeah, He's the absolutely. only person that gets two songs. Yeah, um, It just feels like it's his movie once he's on screen. And I I don't know if I've ever really caught that. This time I was like, wait a minute. It's the, the lion. It's the lion's. It's the lion's movie. And I was the like, lion. is this like an MGM thing? And that because yeah. that's their logo or what? <laughs> but like, I don't. Know, I just had never noticed that. I guess also his like costume is phenomenal, and I know it weighed like ninety pounds and yeah. was real lion skin. Real, yeah, and it, apparently at the end of production, it smelled like a dead carcass like it you know because he's sweating inside of it and all that stuff makes me so. wonder where do they get those carcasses is that from the first couple of lions they try to shoot them? <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> yep the uh, yeah. the thing about him too is it's one of my favorite lines in the movie is uh you know what if it was an elephant i'd wrap him in elephant. <laughs> i mean there's these really silly kind of they're like dad joke words uh, oh and also don't. like his courage song it's like all the things are there like don't have you're like did Alanis Morissette write this song? Because none yeah. of this stuff is ironic. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, they just give him his whole little kind of showcase. And like, what puts the nails. ape in apricot? Courage? I'm like, what? what? It doesn't make any sense. It's cool, but it doesn't make any sense. And it's not the way he says courage. It's, it's not the just the word courage. It's the way he says courage. Courage. Yeah. Courage. 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 I, I think the lion is is probably the best performance in the whole thing for me Ooh, I'm gonna say o- outside of dorothy i'm gonna say i, I love the, the scarecrow witch. yeah Lana i mean the witch uh i, I, I think i'm i'm with brad i'm gonna go i think i told lana when we were watching it the cowardly lion's always been my favorite he always will be sammy would be the cowardly lion i think of the group you think so <laughs> so troy are you the are you the scarecrow oh i definitely don't have a brain yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> Oh, I yeah, I definitely don't have a heart. So yes, yeah, for sure. You are soulless <laughs> and heartless. I agree. I do love the Wizard of Oz. So does that give me a little bit? I I'll had take, it the whole time. I'll take you both on. I'll take you one on time. I have a bag. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I gotta I gotta say, even watching it this time, I mean, I love all the characters. But that I'm makes Landon Dorothy, by the way. Yeah, that. Landon yeah, I'm wearing the dress. <laughs> <laughs> the scarecrow makeup is so detailed. It's and very good. It's so. Uh, it looked I, really good in 1080p. 
it looks better in 4K. <laughs> but it was I, so good, I think it scarred his face for the rest of his life. Yeah, it's just it's amazing how when they put that on, uh, it 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 just looks like a walking scarecrow, like a scarecrow is alive. And the fact that they, like you said, Sammy, they do all these effects with um, him being under the floor and uh, you know those apes and everything kind of tearing apart, et cetera, the flying monkeys. It's, it's crazy to me what they do with that character in that costume, how realistic it looks and how they just go seamlessly back and forth to him being like a whole scarecrow to being, you know, torn apart. But I, I just love the look of the scarecrow and I love even his, you know, his one little number. Um, I think outside of, uh, over the rainbow, that's my favorite song as well. I like it more than the cowardly lion piece. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Uh, I like, yeah. You know, it's funny. As much as I love Munchkin Land and the way it looks, I really do feel like Munchkin Land hangs around a little bit too long. Uh, I would have liked to have seen less Munchkin Land because I know they cut a big sequence of the Scarecrow out. Yeah. And that's on this cutting room floor. And, the, and they also cut out the jitterbug. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to have seen that, like, put back in a little bit less of the, of the munchkins. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I love that whole, you know, if only had a brain, uh, song and the whole dance routine that goes along with it, with the scarecrow, I think it's a lot of fun, but it would be hard to kind of sit there and go, what is the best makeup effect? If you said the wicked witch or the flying monkeys, I'd go, yeah, that's a winner too. I am just so impressed with all the practical makeup effects in this film and, you know, when you take a step back and kind of go, hey, they had an army working on this thing. And obviously an actor left because the makeup, you know, affected their face and everything. But still, I mean, everything about it is is such a standout. And I think it rivals a lot of the stuff that you see even today. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Know, I think um, the scarecrow makeup in particular, I, I do think the scarecrow makeup is the best makeup. Yeah. I think Bert Lahr has the showcase moments. But I think Jack Haley's he's kind of he's kind of given a meaningless task. But if you look at a lot of his performance, he's kind of the guy that sets up the jokes. Yeah, he, he does feel like the straight man a little bit. Yeah, and he does a really good job. Like one, one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is his reaction when the cowardly lion says he can't count sheep because he's scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I think that's funny, but <laughs> but if you watch Jack Haley's performance, it's amazing in that moment. He's kind of does a double take. He's kind of like, oh yeah, and he's like, oh what? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> no, I agree. Well, what other thoughts do you have on the film, Landon? Oh, um, I mean, I, Dad, what do you what were you watching after we watched the movie? I rewatched the documentary on. The yeah, movie. that. I walked in a couple times and there was a couple thousand of the. It's I called. The, I watched the commentary track as well, so it's interrupting again. Um, <laughs> Sorry, there. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. That's what I like. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Um, Sorry, Dorothy. <laughs> you're literally like you're a lion. I don't want to hear you talk. If I was the king. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the other thing about this movie. It kind of drives me crazy. Lions don't live in forest. No, no. <laughs> but, so, you know, you got to buy a lot. But yeah. this is an Oz, though. It's different. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's Oz true. forests are have an entirely different set of rules. Yeah. It's a reflection of our world, but not a true reflection, right? True. So, okay. Okay. Blaney, go ahead. He's yeah, not going to interrupt you, you anymore. Thanks, 
cowardly lion. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I feel like I've heard it so much when he was watching the documentary. I heard it's called the perfect movie, and I feel like if it's not perfect, it's close. Like it's very close. Well, to do, would you watch it again? I mean, do you plan on yeah, watching it again? I don't plan on it like soon because. But maybe in a couple months when I forget, because I usually, if I like something so much, I have to wait a couple months. It's been, yeah. Landon is he is at that point in his been, life. Where he's a rewatcher right now. It's so. been what, Dad, six months, and I'm still begging you to buy Top Gun Maverick. Still haven't done it. Your fault. Um, your dad. I am. So these two guys will buy things right dad, away. They'll dad. buy things before they even come out. I don't I mean, buy things until they go on sale. <laughs> okay, well, the issue is I want to see Miles Teller's mustache, and you're not allowing me to do that. You wasn't it? That wasn't it nine ninety nine on Amazon like last week? Yeah, there's yeah, something right like now. That. It's twelve ninety nine on iTunes right now. Ooh, I'm just it. saying, oh, if if you want to be like that model parent, you've got to own Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Look, I'm exactly. Gonna own, I'm gonna own it. Okay, you're, you need to go on a beach and you know film a football scene. Oh yeah, I'd pay for that. I definitely would pay for that. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Uh, I would love to see that. Well, let, let's 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 go ahead and get to the question. Uh, I I think it's going to be a unanimous decision, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Landon. When the Wizard of Oz came out in 1939, it didn't do so hot. Uh, didn't it? Didn't make any money. It was a bomb. But we're talking about this film many many years later, and this was a first time watch for you. So I'm gonna ask you the question. Is the Wizard of Oz a bomb? Uh, uh, can you stop laughing? How can this even be a difficult question for you to answer? Because <laughs> I'm overthinking it. I, I, I can I see it right now. This. Yeah. Um, um, no, I'm going to say no. Okay. Good answer. Good answer. Oh, my gosh. That, that, is, the, right that is the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> I just guessed. Right, <laughs> you made me sweat there for a minute. <laughs> I got so stressed. You guessed. What are you talking about? I yeah. haven't been that stressed since like a state like. assessment. Oh my god. Oh wow. Okay. All right, Sammy. 1939's Wizards of Oz. Is it a bomb? No. <laughs> See how easy that was. <laughs> You're making me look so. I'm gonna go choke you. Out. No, 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 no. It's it's not a bomb. <laughs> now he's coming. To, so for your listeners uh, that don't know, we're in the same house, and he's coming down the hallway to beat on me. Oh, like, nice. And they're the choke. Yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, got a choke off. Anyway, um, no, this is not a bomb. This is arguably, and I don't think it's on everybody's list, but this is arguably one of uh, the greatest things Hollywood has ever made. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I really do believe that. I do believe that. I do believe it's one of the greatest things to come out of old Hollywood, no doubt. But uh, or maybe the greatest thing to come out of. Well, no, not the greatest thing. I got a few things I think are a little bit better. But man, this this film seventy, nearly seventy five years old. I've seen it. I don't know how many times. It still holds up. It's an amazingly crisp one hundred minutes long, and yet it feels like an epic. Yeah, and. Uh, it has everything you can ask for fantasy. Uh, it's deep. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, yeah. Even in, even in 1080p, it's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, what about you? Where do you land on this one? Oh, definitely not a bomb for me. I think it's one on the short list of perfect films. I don't think I would change anything about it. So, and Troy, it's a musical and I say it's a perfect film. I know that's so weird to me. Up. 
uh, I agree with everybody. It's a, uh, I don't think it's a near perfect film. I think it's a perfect film. Yeah. And I was trying to think about this of all the movies uh, that I've watched over and over again. If, if I were to actually kind of take a calculator to it and say, okay, what movie have I seen more than any other film? Top Gun. No, actually just the fact that I grew up on this and watching it yearly and then when it transitioned to where you could get it on like VHS, Laserdisc, whatever, I still watched it. Uh-huh. And and there just became that annual tradition that it was right around, you know, this time of year, November-ish, that you kind of get in a Wizard of Oz. It, it It's not a Thanksgiving film because, I mean, obviously it's not about like turkeys or pilgrims or anything like that. But <laughs> there, there's something about the Wizard of Oz around this time of year. It feels like the perfect movie get you into a pre-Christmas holiday spirit sort of thing. Um, and I don't know if it's because of its sweetness, its charm, its elegance, or something of that nature. The fact that, you know, one of its core themes is um, appreciation of family, which is what I sort of equate that Thanksgiving holiday to. Thank- yeah, thankfulness, yeah. Yeah, so I, I always felt like this was the film that you watched right before you got to a Christmas story or your Christmas movies or Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, you know, all of that stuff. Uh-huh. Like the Wizard of Oz was always that November watch um, constantly in my wife's in my life to where you're like, okay, this is prepping you for the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and, it, and it just fit. It fit as a November film. So I, I, I this is one of my favorites. And I'm, I'm trying to sit here and think of like as many times as I've watched Jackie Chan uh, or even Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain, I will watch a couple of times during the year. But at the end of the day, it's like I, I might have seen Wizard of Oz more than any other film. What's amazing to me is when we remove ourselves from some of the stuff we watch over and over again, how many, I know of a certain generation anyway, uh, how many musicals we rewatch. Oh yeah. It's kind of interesting that musicals, I watch a ton of musicals over and over and over again. Like I have my favorites and those are the films I've seen the most. I, I I think you're right. Outside of like the star Wars and Hong Kong stuff, it's, it's like there's star Wars, 80s Hong Kong action in musicals. Those are the three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that and Landon, like I said, he likes musicals too. Uh, he just hasn't seen as much of them as uh, yet, but uh, yeah, he's yeah. liked quite a few. I, I think everyone we've watched together, he's liked. So, Which are ones we've watched together? Well, Sing- Singing in the Rain's got to be the next one, man. RRR you watched. and then the that lo- Okay, well, RRR. Disney, Disney films, Disney animated films count as musicals because yes. they are musicals in my opinion. Well, yeah. most of them I don't like. The new ones, the... Especially in cancer. I don't you know don't, why. You don't like them now yeah. because you're 12 and you're saying that, but you did. <laughs> I did, yeah. Keyword. But then when you're 25, you'll say, you know what? I really like I those. I really like those. All yeah. right. Listen, Ricky. <laughs> Go on. Uh, right, Brad, we got a little feedback. You want me to read it real quick? Oh, yes, please. Okay. This is from Jacob. I just finished listening to your episode on Hugo, a film that time has forgotten. I remember watching it when it came out and loving it, but because it is so rarely brought up, I had mostly forgotten it. I love that it's a blend of cinema and the love of cinema history, community, self-value, and hope. I thought you might like to know that there is a French documentary about malaise on HBO Max, which is quite good with lots of rare footage. I think you fellows might like it. Keep up the good work. I've seen that documentary. It's pretty good. Okay. And he says, P.S., any chance of another month of so bad they're good movies I loved your coverage of Miami Connection and Samurai Cop, two favorites of mine. 
That was yes. last year, right? That was well, the the year before or last year. Two turkey. years ago, I think. You guys did turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, we'll do it again. We we will. I got I got to say we were putting uh you know the schedule together, and I think we've got the first part of 2023 done, and we have sprinkled in I think a couple of movies that if you were to look at them you might. They're not going to be at the Miami Connection or Samurai Cop level, but you could argue they are so bad that they're good. There are a couple titles in there. Jacob, you can always come over to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema and listen to us talk some turkey. <laughs> we you do guys like do a great job of it. I know who that Jacob is. So Yeah. yeah. I, I do want to do one month where Brad and I really challenge each other and come to the table with two movies each that we think are going to drive the other person insane. Um I think Ooh, that's going to have to happen. We're going to have think, to do a throwdown and like who can come up yeah. with the worst bomb. <laughs> yeah. 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 Challenge accepted. That'd be good. I'd look forward to that. I wouldn't want to be a part of that. I just want to hear you. You, <laughs> you don't want to endure that one. <laughs> no, no. Cause I don't want to interfere because I could be the uh, guy in the middle saying, well, look, Troy, this is why this is good. And look, Brad. Yeah, if that's the if you're if you're challenging each other that way, you have to go one on one. Oh boy, yeah, we're, we might have to somebody have somebody come in and referee it. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, Sammy Masaki, where where do people find more of you? I mean, this is this has been an awesome conversation. How do they how do they track down your lovely voices to hear more of your opinion on all things pop culture and film? Well, there is a YouTube channel, same name, Masaki, you can look at. There is, um, if you want to hear another conversation on another uh, podcast, which is, how many episodes have I been on? I think three episodes of um, Watch Skip Plus I've been on, episode 14, 11, and 2. Oh, man, you even got the numbers. Dang. Huge fan. Um, of yourself? And then, <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, you should be. You should be. That. You should be. You You've should always be. had it okay. in you, Masaki. Yeah. It's always been there. <laughs> the podcaster's always been in you all along. Yeah, I was born with it. Yeah. I was born in the first word I talked. Was, or, um, more than you know, if you go back and listen to really old episodes, you can hear you in the background just faintly sometimes. <laughs> well, like, I'm not scrolling down a thousand episodes. Um, <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, so YouTube channel, catch you out on a few episodes of Watch Skip Plus. Anywhere else you're showing up? Not yet. Wait for the GGTMC thing. Oh well, he, we'll get you on there sometime. He's he's working. Yeah, on, he uh, he's working Wasn't on getting bad. his show back going going again, and uh, hopefully he'll get that up and going. But awesome. He, he, yeah. He's doing video podcasting, which is a lot more work. I've looked into that. Uh, bless those who do it. Uh, I'm not. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying. You. It was tiring. Yeah, it was a lot of work. I remember him doing that's why, a lot of work. That's why it's been one episode in three months. <laughs> 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 well, Sammy, what's going on over at the Gentleman's Guide? Uh, same old, same old. Trying to turn people on to, to movies they probably haven't seen. Um, oh. This week, we reviewed Pastoral to Die in the Country. Oh. Uh, and uh, from 1974, Japanese film. Uh, we got Last time I was on, I think we were going to talk about... Uh, no, maybe I didn't say we are going to do a special day, which is an Italian film with Marcello Mastriani and Sophia Loren that a lot of people haven't seen. Oh, uh, we're yeah. doing that one soon. Gorlami. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> and, and then we got um, 
we got a uh, Jose coming up on an episode pretty soon. Oh, nice. Talk about uh, I think it's just Jose. Maybe Justin's coming too, but it. Uh, I think it's. Uh, well, I guess I'll go ahead and give it away here. I'll let your listeners get the sneak peek. Ooh, okay. So we oh, okay. Share some. Oh. Listeners. But uh, we're oh. going to talk about Wes Craven's Shocker. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Oh, that's going to be awesome. I love Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. So that'll be fun. But yeah, just kind of, you know, plugging away, trying to get people to uh, enjoy this medium that we love so much. Love it. All right, Brad, you are closing out our prestige month, our fancy pants month. You got the last pick. How how are you? How are you? How are you going to go on this one? So you say that 1939 is one of the greatest film years of all time. I, I am going to counter with 1994. Um, a small film called Pulp Fiction came out. Yeah. Also, another film called Forrest Gump came out. Speed. But Speed came out in 1994. Speed, yeah, we want. Yeah. And another film called The Shawshank Redemption came out that oh, year. Troy. Oh, my. I was just. So we were going <laughs> to do The Shawshank Redemption. Again, arguably, people will say is the greatest film of all time. Um, really? Yeah, so I look forward to uh, to looking uh, to revisiting that. It's been a few years for me because I haven't had cable in a few years. So I haven't been able to catch it on a random Sunday. So, well, it will be a first time watch for me. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Never seen it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's a, that's what? Yeah. Just, I, I'm just, I'm Brad's telling face. you, I saw the trailer for that thing and I'm like, nah, I'm not interested. And oh every time I see the trailer, I'm just like, <laughs> No, looks like a snooze fest. I'm hey, good. Hey, Landon, uh, uh, will you do uh, ear earmuffs for just a second? <laughs> what? Ear, earmuffs? Yeah. Earmuffs? Yeah. Are you fucking with me, Charlie? <laughs> no, I've never seen it. Now, here's the funny thing. I own it on DVD. I own it on Blu-ray. And I just bought the 4K because it was on sale. So I bought it three fucking times. And I've never watched it because it looks boring. <laughs> That'll be interesting. It just That'll looks like Morgan Freeman just lecturing. Yeah, you Tim get Robbins to hear Morgan for, Freeman's voice. Yeah, I great. I don't. I don't want two and a half hours of Morgan Freeman lecturing <laughs> prison mates. Although I don't, I don't know where Brad stands on it, uh, and I, I definitely don't think it's one of the greatest films of all time. But I do think it's a. I do think it's a very good film. Now, Green Mile, I've seen that plenty of times. I love the Green Mile, but Shawshank Redemption, for whatever <laughs> reason, every time I see that trailer, I'm like, I, oh, dude, I think I've fallen asleep just from the trailer, but we'll see. I think you're in for a pleasant surprise. I, yeah, I think Brad's going to. Um, yeah, first time having an I right. did not know this about you, Troy. Well, when you you picked were at my that, house two I know ago. when you picked that movie, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I've. I wonder if Brad knows. I've never seen that film. So, yeah, never watched it. <laughs> no, I just assume that everyone has seen it because it's oh, the no. Shawshank Redemption. Well, okay. You know how many Jackie Chan movies I watched in <sighs> I instead of that that I were probably it. better? I what were know. you doing in 1994? <laughs> uh, I was watching Seven The Kansas. Crow, True Lies, Speed. Yeah. I mean, come on. 94 yeah. was pretty Horse awesome Gump. action. He was looking at the fields of Kansas. I was. No, I was <laughs> in Indiana by that time. Yeah. Was in Evansville. Uh, well, that's, 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 that's a little worse. That speed score, man, they get their money's worth out of that. I love it. That awesome. score is love amazing. It. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Brad, how, what, what other shows should people be listening to real quick? Well, there is one show called the gentleman's guide to midnight mm-hmm. cinema that people should it. definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, we have watch skip plus go to episodes two, 11, 11 and 14. And 14. There yeah. we go. <laughs> um, the VHS <laughs> files. 
Night of the Living podcast, the Backlook Cinema podcast, and the Mixtape podcast. So if you check those out, let them know that the guys over at Not a Bomb sent you. And if somebody wants to send, they'll give us like a referral. They'll, you know, we'll get a coupon, we'll get a free sandwich the next time we're in or whatever. Yeah, yeah we get a Dairy Queen coupon for every referral yeah. we send over. Ooh, Blizzard, <laughs> yeah, big blizzards. Blizzard we get bl- yeah, free yeah. blizzards. Uh, yeah. Where where do people contact us? Yeah, so go to notabombpodcast.com. You can hit the contact us button. You can also hit us up on Gmail. That's notabombpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and as long as Twitter is still there, I guess we'll be <laughs> on there. But, you know, whatever. Maybe we'll be on Mastodon or Discord. I don't know. I don't know. You're on Discord. Okay. I've heard about this uh, MySpace. I think Ooh. I think we should check it out. It sounds cool. <laughs> we'll be in your top eight. So there you go. Um, yeah. What else you need to know, Troy? Oh, I think that's all the details. I, I want to just give a big thank you to Masaki and Sammy. I mean, I know you guys are busy. It's holiday season. I'm super thankful to know you guys and have the friendship, but uh, no, I just, I, I I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about wizard of Oz and um, Landon for taking a chance on, on a film like that. I, I know it's, it's not hip and cool to watch the movies from the thirties. No, I don't care what people say about it. Uh, it's awesome. I, I I had so much fun talking to you guys tonight, and I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, it's great. I, there's yeah. no other duo I'd rather go down the Yellow Brick Road with. That's oh, oh, that's duo. I don't know your, you your internet well, definitely didn't go out twice during this recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. duo. It, it definitely wasn't kicked by my foot either. That caused it to do that <laughs> well, twice. nobody's gonna. Nobody would have known that I was gonna land. You're, you're my son. You have to go. Duo. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Duo. Yeah. Now yes. that's just unfair. It's no, just what like, I'm saying is you don't you don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a choice. I'm taller than you. Oh boy, here we go. I'm taller. <laughs> well, folks, taller and better. Uh, by the time this gets released, Turkey Day will be right around the corner. I hope you get a lot of family time, and uh, you get to decompress. It's a lot of crazy stuff going on out there. So hopefully, you unwind from it and just have a lot of food. And a lot of great laughs with the people that you love that are close to you. Um, Brad, I don't know if you want to say anything. Uh, I can't believe you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. I'm still (laughs) struggling with that. But no, uh, I'm very thankful for all of our listeners in our community um, and for uh, all the friends we've made through this little hobby of ours. So thank you all very much. Absolutely. Ditto. So I watched Shawshank Redemption. God damn it. I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, uh, or evening. Thank you for downloading the episode. Go check out Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema and Masaki on Watch Get Plus YouTube channels. Come back next week, and I will share my thoughts on this uh, little film called The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, some folks have said it's pretty good. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but it should be fun. So go watch it, and then come back and, and hear our thoughts on it. So we'll see you next week. I'll lose your head. Yeah! Thank <laughs> you.